Hi, everybody. This is Joel Junker with Cameron Brooks. Welcome to another episode of the Cameron Brooks podcast, Above and Beyond. Again, this podcast, uh, we are uh, communicating information out there to our listeners, mostly via interviewing um, former military officers that have come through the Cameron Brooks program that are now working as leaders in the business career and being a wide variety of different types of careers. Some are in engineering, consulting, logistics, manufacturing, and for example, in this podcast, sales. And in this podcast here, I interview Patrick Dickerson, who's a former uh, Navy nuclear submarine officer who made the transition in 2009. Not an easy year to make a transition uh, when the economy was uh, challenged uh, with, uh, with what they call the Great Recession. Patrick still made a transition that year to uh, Boston Scientific. And uh, Patrick's now in a leadership sales leadership role with Boston Scientific. And what I really enjoyed about this pod, podcast is that Patrick breaks down what it takes to be successful in sales. And he and I really think that his tips are not just what it takes to be successful in sales, but really in any career. Um, talks about preparation, being a, a clear. Uh, concise communicator, working hard every day and never letting fear keep you from winning. So I love his points in this and uh, I hope you enjoy. For those of you that are thinking about making the transition, uh, other tips in addition to listening to this webcast, I highly recommend the book PCS to Corporate America uh, that you can find on Amazon uh, and that is a in the fourth edition. Uh, I also recommend the Cameron Brooks website, specifically logging into our learning library uh, and going into either the white paper section or also there is a folder called Transition Perspectives where we have several different webcasts there where we have typically panels of former military officers sharing their experience, whether it be about compensation, how to take location into consideration and transition. So a wealth of resources there. Enjoy the episode with Patrick. Thank you. All right, Patrick, it's Joel. Welcome to the, the Cameron Brooks podcast. I uh, always appreciate the support that you've given us. I've been on a couple of uh, webcasts and things like that. And so we'd just jump off, Patrick, with giving us a, maybe a two-minute overview, the audience, the listeners, a background of your military background, and then the transition to Boston Scientific and what you do now. Okay. Thank you, Joel. Um, well, I was I was a Navy NUPOC officer, so I did uh, nuclear submarines in the Navy um, and came to Cameron Brooks uh, when I was about a year and a half or so, uh, looking at getting out of the military, um, moving into corporate world. I was recommended to Cameron Brooks by a close friend and mentor and um, reached out to them in 2003. No, no, I'm sorry, 2008. And I uh, was getting out in 2009, um, read PCS Corporate America uh, a few times, actually, and uh, started working with uh, you and uh, several others at Cameron Brooks, preparing for conference. And, Joel, I mean, it was a good – I had a while before I was getting out. So it was a good year that I, that I prepped for, for my conference and, um, and just had a tremendous time. It was uh, – a great experience to be able to have so many interviews back to back. There were the prep time that Cameron Brooks provided, and you know, not just 
learning how to answer good interview questions, but also to ask good interview questions, how to dress, how to present yourself, so many things soup to nuts from, you know, what it really takes to make a good impression in the corporate world. Um, you know, Cameron Brooks just did an amazing job of, of providing that for me. And uh, because of that, I had a very successful conference. I got out uh, and took a job in medical device sales with uh, Boston Scientific. Um, I did a clinical job for them for about a year. Uh, and I was, after 11 months, I was promoted to a sales position and um, had a sales territory now since 2011. I've been uh, you know, going on six or seven years now, and uh, it's been a very rewarding experience. The the uh, the field is is very unique and different than anything else I've ever done. But I've been with Boston now and uh, found a good amount of success. And um, you know, it's been it's been a very rewarding career thus far. One of the things that you mentioned that I'd like to dive into, and it may not just be for this question is about preparation, and you said you spent a year in preparation. Um, I'd like to dive into that preparation, not, but from the standpoint of preparation from getting out, but also what you do in sales for preparation. Um, maybe that, that topic, let's just start there. So why was preparation so important to you in that year? And what did you specifically do in that year uh, that allowed you, in 2009, the Great Recession, to get on board with mm -hmm. one of the top medical device companies in a pretty selective position? You may, they, Boston Scientific is incredibly selective who they bring into field clinical representative roles. So obviously, you get on a very, the time of the bar is really high. Um, you stand out. What did you do that allowed you to set yourself apart during that time? Well, you know, you you mentioned preparation, and that really that's what it boils down to, Joel. That's that's uh, you know, practice. They say practice makes perfect, and when it comes to interviewing skills, I believe I'm a firm believer that 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 rule uh, rings true. Um, I did. I, I spent about a year, and I, I took the I took the um, the developmental preparation program DPP. That's I believe that's what it's still called, right, Joel? That that's it. Yeah, I took that I took that program very seriously. I treated it for the advice that I was given. I treated it like a master's program, and uh, I read multiple business books to prepare. Um, you know, how to win friends and influence people. Good to great, um, to name a few. Of course, PCS to corporate America. I think I read that book three times over the course of that year, um, just because it's so. It so perfectly states what a military officer is thinking uh, when they're coming out, and it highlights. It does a great job of highlighting the most important things that you need to to work on. And really, it's it's taking the information out of those books and out of the DPP, putting them into into regular practice, and um, coming up with good, solid answers to tough interview questions, and Doing it in a way that is warm and uh, friendly, with a smile on your face. You know, people want to people want to hire people that have a good attitude and who are positive. And so, you know, attitude has a lot to do with it as well. But I would say that um, you know, read, 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 read. 
go through that DPP program uh, step by step, do it multiple times. If you're like me and you have a good amount of time, you know, before you're going to be going to conference, you know, I had all the time in the world to really, um, you know, focus and make that preparation the best that it could be because when you go to conference, I mean, that's kind of your, that's your chance to really shine. And um, so as far as preparation goes, you know, in addition to reading and, and taking the program seriously, I would say practice. You know, you've got you to practice those interview questions, get with someone, uh, a friend or a, a family member, uh, and have them ask you questions and practice, you know, saying your answers, not in a way that's robotic and memorized, but in a way that, that is real and uh, concise. You don't want to drone on either for, for minutes uh, when a question can be answered in two sentences. So, um, yeah, practice and, and lots of reading are, are the two things that come to mind, I would say. You know, I was on the phone yesterday with a uh, young man that was preparing for an upcoming uh, conference and interviews, and he um, uh, he talked, has his answers ready, but he has not written them down. He's not bulletized them. He talked about them. He's just verbalizing them, and and they kind of lack depth. Uh, they lack some substance. What would you What would you tell somebody that was three, four weeks prior to their transition about how to get ready for an interview? Well, Joel, that's a, that's a million-dollar question. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a process, and I think, I think the process is probably different for everyone. You know, for me, when it comes to having good, meaningful question or answers to your interview questions, I always went back to uh, advice that I was given. And to be honest with you, I don't even remember who gave me this advice, but somebody once told me when you're, when you're in an interview, just be real. Um, tell them about who you are and why you are that person. So when I'm preparing for interview questions, you know, you mentioned lacking depth. You know, people can see through a, um, a cliche answer very easily, especially someone who's, you know, interviewed, you know, probably dozens or even hundreds of people. You know, if you just throw out a kind of a cliche answer, they're going to know that, well, he didn't really, he or she didn't really, they didn't really nail that that one. Um, but if you give a question that's thoughtful or give an answer to a question that's thoughtful and has to do with your personal background, for instance, um, I will draw on personal stories and personal experiences that I've been through, both in the military and in the civilian world when I'm on an interview, and take lessons learned, both you know personally and professionally, and tie those into the answer in terms of why you do things the way that you do. Because you can add a lot of depth to an interview question just by giving um, giving some real valuable insight into who you are as a person. And that only not only will answer their question, but it'll also tell them a lot about who you are and why you know what drives you and why you do what you do. And so for this person that's really just you know looking at the question and thinking about the answer in their mind, and then, you know, that's their preparation. Do you think that that's going to work? I mean, that's kind of a leading question. Do you think that that would work? Would that it'd be authentic, I'm sure, but will it have the depth, do you believe? Uh, I would, the short answer is no. <laughs> 
I'd say, uh, just like anything else, you need to prepare by, you know, it's more than just thinking about how you're going to respond because, as you know, in an interview situation or in a sales environment where you're going in to speak to a customer and you're calling on them, and in most cases, for me, it's a, you know, this is a highly trained either cardiology doctor or a, or a surgeon. You know, these are, these are smart people who can see through a facade very easily. You need to practice by writing down uh, good, solid answers, good, solid questions. Um, practice by writing them out in bullet points, uh, hitting the highlights, uh, keeping that, you know, piece of paper in front of you if you need to. And it's always better to not have it in front of you and practice to a point where you have those those one, two, three points memorized. When I make a sales call in, in medical devices, I like to go into a sales call with, you know, three main points. These are the three things that I want to talk about. You know, with Boston Scientific Devices, it's, you know, battery longevity, it's lead reliability, it's some of the some of the key features that our devices have that our competitors don't have. And I know going in, one, two, three, bam, 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 these are the things that I want to talk about. And I recite them, I write them out, I practice them so that they are right on the front, you know, the front of my mind, right on the tip of my tongue. Um, you know, not so that it sounds rehearsed, but just so that you can, so that you can get the point across in a clear and concise way. Uh, because, you know, like I said, in a sales call environment or in an interview, you want to be able to answer concisely, but, you know, provide the meat of what you're trying to get across. And the only way you can really do that is to, is to practice and, you know, have your responses written out. I definitely recommend, um, you know, writing everything out, and that will allow you to change the way that you verbalize things, too. You know, there's a lot, you can say the same thing a hundred different ways. So, you know, practice, practice, practice. All right, let's, let's go to something else, and we'll come back to the, that preparation piece. But let's talk about sales. I, I would say that uh, uh, a nuclear-trained officer, you know, the engineering background that you have uh, and the experience that you have in the Navy, certainly does lead towards the qualities that people would look for in sales, but it's not a natural career field for um, certainly nuclear-trained officers to go into. And it's also a career field that has a lot of misperceptions. And I think we've been breaking down some of those misperceptions um, based on some of these podcasts that we've been doing. So you know, one, I've got two questions. Um, and that's, the one is going to be, tell me why you chose sales. And then the second, and I'll come back and remind you what it is, um, what do you think are the most commonly common misperceptions of sales and what is reality? So let's start, start first. Why did you choose sales? Well, Joel, I chose sales. There are a, there are a number of reasons, but um, I would say paramount in my mind is the sales offered as and I'm not talking about necessarily finances. I'm talking about the ability to drive your own success by, you know, you are in control of your own destiny. There's really no one else that's, that has, has control of how your business is going to either succeed or fail. And in sales, that really gives you, you know, it's a unique position where you go out in the world and you are creating for yourself really your own business. In a way, it's, you know, you, you're, a, you're a small business owner. Um, and 
when you do it for a big corporation like Boston Scientific, you know, really they're taking all the risk for you. But you're building a book of business that you own, you drive, and nobody else has control of that. And some, there was something that just really appealed to me about the thought of growing organically, you know, my own business. And so for me, you know, the flexibility that that provided in terms of your daily schedule, um, you know, the financial opportunity that it would provided, what, you know, in sales was, you know, far above what, you know, just taking an engineering job or taking a power plant job like so many Navy nukes do. Uh, you know, there was a great earning potential there, but, you know, really the, the big driver for me was um, I wanted to I wanted to start and grow something, you know, that was my own and to be able to, you know, look back and say, you know, yeah, this is mine and I and I built it. You know, that that's what that's what really drove drove me into sales, I think. What do you think of the most common misperceptions of sales are that you think military officers have? And what's reality? Well, if they're if 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 they're like me, um, when you think sales, you know the first thing that pops into your head is you know used car salesmen, um, because that's the for most people those are the salesmen that we encounter, uh, and everybody has that experience. You know nothing against used car salesmen, but uh, you know there's just there's a stigma there with you know hey you know I'm the slick guy I'm gonna slide in here and let's make a deal and uh, you know it's, it's really not that way in, in corporate uh, especially in medical sales um, but I would say in most business sales it's really not that way uh, so that's one misconception you know you when you are in the position of bringing highly highly complex medical device solutions to you know both a customer a physician customer and a patient um, you have to build a tremendous amount of trust and uh, your customers need to be able to look at you and to know that they can trust what you're saying, that they can depend on you in a surgery where you are providing a good amount of support during the procedure. You're standing there next to the physician in scrubs with a hat and mask on and you are, you are going to take an active role in that implant in most, most cases as a sales rep. Um, you know that's a unique position to be in. Much different scenario than a uh, an environment like you know when you're buying a used car. So you know those are some things that I think most people don't know about, particularly medical device sales. Is it's really not a it's it's much more about relationship and uh, trust and earning you know the right to work with a customer than than a surface level you know making cold calls kind of relationship there's a lot more to it than that it's a lot deeper than that and it's a lot more technical than that and for me that was uh being a technical you know someone with a highly technical background that really that really you know wet my appetite in terms of being able to dig in i like the fact that it's uh a highly technical position as well and of course there's all kinds of sales jobs out there, but and particularly in medical devices, you know, you're highly, you're going to go through a training program that's highly selective, and um, you know, you're going to you're going to be trained well to know your product in and out. So you're a specialist, and you want your customers to look at you like a specialist, you know, not as a salesman. So uh, that's one 
I'd say that's probably the main uh, misconception. I'm sure there are others that I'm overthinking, but one of the things, as you mentioned, is is cold calling. I think there's a mm-hmm. there's a thinking of cold calling that you're going to just show up at some hospital, knock on the door, and say, um, I know it sounds really um, simple, simplified, but hey, do you want some pacemakers today? But I think it's, it's right. hard for me to explain sometimes. Hey, wait, you're walking in, whether it's Johnson & Johnson, Boston Scientific, Medtronic, whatever it may be, you're walking in with a big brand name. Even if they're not buying your product, you have a lot of credibility based on who you work for. And these are products that companies are already using in most cases, and you're coming to sell them your value. So when you do a call, let's say, why don't you tell, tell me or explain to our listeners, what does a call look like? Let's say that... Um, you're calling on hospital uh, in Memphis that's using a competitor's product, but you want to maintain that relationship with them. What does that look like? Because I would consider that a cold call, I guess. Sure. That's a great question. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be in a scenario where you're, you're, you're specifically selling against a competitor's relationship. Because really that's what it boils down to most of the time. It's, it's not about... It's usually not about price um, in medical devices. It's usually not about, um, honestly, a lot of times it's not even really about the technology. It's about relationships. So um, you have to be able to go into a situation where a competitor has the has the upper hand on you. When you're the new guy in town, you know the, the competitor a lot of times has a long-standing relationship with a with an account with a customer. And the best thing you can do, Joel, is just to go in there and be honest. So for me, I've got a couple of accounts that are exactly as you're describing. They, they've got a contract situation where you know they're committed to using my competitor's device, and I'm really not even in the game, so to speak. So in a situation like that, when you when you make a call, you know you need to go in there. You need to have a, a warm um, demeanor that makes you somebody that, hey, yeah, I could see doing business with that guy. First off, you know, right out of the gate, within the first three minutes of, of talking to someone, you know, that initial handshake, the eye contact that you talk about so much in, in the DPP that's so important in interviewing, it, it, it translates directly into sales. And, and for me, that's, what, that's one of the big advantages, one of the major advantages of the Cameron Brooks program is it, it not just prepares you for the conference and hiring and the ability to land that contract. Once you land the job, you know now you got to go perform. And um, the preparation that Cameron Brooks gave me it translates directly into that. You know, it's the same set of skills, uh, interview skills, is the same for for selling. And so when you go in, you need firm handshake. You need to look look the part, whatever that may be. You need to have good eye contact. Uh, be honest. You know, hey, look. My name's Patrick. I work for Boston Scientific. You know, I'm the new rep here in town. I um, I know that you guys have a contract with my competitor. I know that um, you know you've got a good business relationship with them, and things are rocking along. But you know, I just wanted you to know that I'm here. You know, every now and then you come in. We might come into a situation where we have something that you know the competitor does not have, and I just want you to know. You know, this is my information. This is how you can get a hold of me. You know, I'm going to stop in and see you periodically just to make sure that. You're getting everything that you need, if that's okay. And um, you know, it's just the it's the way that you 
you know, you're just coming in and you're you're making yourself available to your customers in the most non-threatening way that you can. Because you got to remember, most people, um, you know, really what they most people are, are conflict averse. You know, they don't they don't they don't they want to avoid conflict at all costs. Most of the most people. Hmm. So they're not yeah. when in a sales in a sales environment, especially when you're trying to win the business that somebody else has. Immediately, there's a there's an assumption that this is going to be a conflict. This going to guy, this guy's going to come in and try to sell me something that I'm already committed to buying from his competitor, and so it's automatically a, an assumption in their mind that okay, this is going to be a you know this is going to there's going to be conflict in this conversation. It's probably going to be uncomfortable. So if you can leave the conversation with them going, man, that guy was just really nice. He was very professional. He looked good. He, you know, had his hair cut. He, he had his all stuff all straight and together. And I could see doing business with that guy in the future. That's the that's that's a win right there. If you can do that with a right. an initial sit down with a customer, even somebody that doesn't use your products, you know, that's a win. That that's really really good. Let's let's jump into what do you think in your estimation, are the things that cause people to be successful, whether it be in sales or be in any career field? What are like the three ingredients to success? It, professionally, professionally, Patrick, with your experience, what is that? Well, number one is preparation. Um, you've got to be ready to perform and, and whatever the job is, you know, whether it's a highly technical job or whether it's, you know, something that is not 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 technical at all, but uh, dealing with I don't know I can't think of a good example off the top of my head. But preparation is key. Um, so you want to you know all this we've talked a lot about being ready to answer questions in the right way and being concise. It's also you know delivering your points that you want to make carefully and concisely, um, and then a lot of it is is just Getting up every day, you know, putting one leg in and you know lacing up the boots and and hitting the door and just being consistent every single day, going out, doing your uh, doing your homework on your customers, and then knocking on doors as you as we. It's not that simple in terms of you know what where you're going and what you're doing, but what I'm saying is don't. Don't let fear of the unknown or fear of a, a negative conversation keep you from making that next sales call. You just need to be committed to and disciplined to go to work every day, do your do your sales calls. You know, you, you might get the door slammed in your face three times, but you know that fourth time you're going to land the sale. Um, and you just gotta you just gotta keep it up. It's discipline, preparation. I don't know. I'm kind of drawing a blank on a, on a third point. Yeah, communication. Yeah, that's a good one. There you go. First communication. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny. I keep a, a note on my monitor when I'm in the office, and it says, "Show up, work hard, do your best, stay above the fray." Um, and I was actually, I've been. Uh, my daughter's going to college next year, and so we've been visiting schools and things like that. And, and um, we were recently at uh, a school, and they were giving advice on. Like how to be successful. I thought this was really good. The, the four of the students got up and just talked about hey, what is the key to being successful. And they said first have a growth mindset. 
you know, always just be trying to get better. You're going to get told you're going to have some failures, but you got to just keep trying to get better. Remember, your goals are possible. That was the second thing they said. And then the third that says, don't compare yourself to other people, but always keep trying to do your best. And, and, and lastly, ask for help. How, you know, that, let's go to that ask for help for you, because I think there's a misperception that you're a lone ranger out there. You're all by yourself. And it's, you know, and you've got to make this all happen. And you certainly have to do that in sales. There's a lot of autonomy you mentioned. But do you feel like you're a lone ranger and, and you're having to accomplish all these goals all on your own? I certainly don't feel that way. Um, if you if you get into a situation, especially in a in a high pressure uh, sales environment like I'm in, and you feel that way, then something's wrong. Um, you you shouldn't feel that way. Every every company is different. Every every territory is different. Um, you know, I've worked in I've been with the same company since I left the military, but you know, I've observed people working with all all across all spectrums of devices and you know, every company is different, so the corporate culture is going to be different. But for the most part, no, you're absolutely not on an island. You've got, you know, your management you've team, and it's a team of people that are there to help you. You've got marketing people that are providing you materials and uh, sales call uh, preparation books and all kinds of things that are, that are meant to uh, prepare you for, you know, having these conversations with your customers. So... Uh, short answer is no. You're definitely not by yourself. There's a whole, you know, you've got a whole team of people that are that are helping you. In addition to the people that work with you in the territory that you're in, you know, you uh, I work with. At one time, I was the sole sales rep in my territory in Memphis uh, in 2011 when I started. I was literally the only guy there, and now I have two other sales rep partners and four clinicals that work with us. So we've got seven people now on that team of what used to be one, and uh, you know I lean heavily on them. I'm on spring break this week, and you know they're covering the pager for me while I'm gone, and and I'm you know texting back and forth with them to make sure that everything's handled and I don't have to worry. So uh, yeah, you've got a you've got a tremendous support support system in most cases. Well, as we wrap up this uh, uh, the podcast, you got a couple of questions uh, that I like to ask a lot of my listeners. I grab these from. Um, uh, listening to Tim Ferriss's podcast, I think they're great questions. Um, the first question is, uh, what is the book that you most recommend to other people to read? I would say uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People is a big one. I really enjoyed Good to Great by Jim Collins. Uh, that to me was a highly impactful book. It spoke to a lot of you know the things that we're talking about, just um, discipline and uh, you know of course but, but I'd say if I have to if I have to recommend any two books that would probably be the two tell, tell me what what you what is the best advice that you have received that you would like to pass on to other people you know Joel that's a that's a deep question <laughs> but I would say you know the first thing that comes to mind for me was a was something that was at the forefront of my mind my entire uh, time when I was coming out of the military, moving into corporate world, and it still applies today, um, is go for it. You know, whatever it is that you think you want to do, um, after careful consideration uh, with friends and family, 
and talking with your mentors. And when you make a decision of, man, this is something I really think that I would be happy doing, but I'm just not sure that I can make it. Well, go for it. Don't let fear and trepidation of any any one thing uh, stop you from achieving your dreams. Because everybody has a dream. Everybody wants Everybody knows really what deep inside them they really want for their life. And set yourself a realistic, attainable set of short-term goals and a set of long-term goals that will move you in the direction that you want to go and then start accomplishing those goals. Um, you know, there's no time like the present. You only live once. You know, all those, thing, all those cliche things that we hear, but they're true. They really are true. You, you only get one shot at this. And... You know, you don't want to – I never wanted to be in a situation, Joel, where I was looking back on my life and I said, man, I just wish I had done X. So for me, specifically in terms of real-world example, when I was coming out and I was interviewing at, with Cameron Brooks and after the conference, I took, I took on, I think, three or four more interviews that were, you know, not related to the Cameron Brooks conference. And, um, you know, I – did all of those interviews, and I had a couple of offers from engineering positions. I had a couple of offers for, you know, for management jobs. But there was just something inside me that said, you know what, I really think I want to try my hand at this sales thing. I really believe that's what I want to do. And, you know, whatever it was in me that was telling me to do that, whatever it is for you uh, that, that drives you, it could be just personal decision, it could be a spiritual decision, it could be something that you discuss with you and your family that you'd come to a decision, but whatever that is, you know, just go for it. You know, I, I told myself, you know, I, I could really try this sales thing and I might be terrible at it. I might fail, but I'm not going to look back five years from now and say, yeah, I just, I took the engineering job because I knew that it was a, it was a, a bird in the hand. Um, but I really regret not taking the chance at sales because I can tell you the rewarding, incredibly rewarding experience that I've had in sales is um, something I would have completely missed out on if I'd not taken that chance. So probably the best piece of advice I could give is just figure out what your dreams are, figure out what it is that you want to do, and that's no easy task, but once you get there, you know, go for it. Don't don't short yourself. Don't question your your abilities. Um, apply yourself and use the training and the knowledge that you've gained, and go for it. Great, good advice. I love it. You get one shot at this life. Do the best you can. That's right. Very good, Patrick. Super, uh, super appreciative of you being on on the podcast today. Great, great information. Um, my big takeaway from here is the importance of preparation, whether it be a sales call, preparing for a transition. It's important to you take time to prepare. And the other piece is that that leads into making sure that, you know, by preparation you're going to be even a better communicator. And just a good reminder of life's short. we got one shot at it. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Patrick, thank you again, and and uh, continued best of success in Memphis, and hope to uh, potentially see you see you at some point in time in the in the future. Okay. That sounds great, Joel. I look forward to it.